feral children orphaned by AIDS, the plague that consumed the future. Thanks to charity, they could sleep unmolested under the Harrods Bar counter and enjoy one good meal a day, providing, of course, they did their chores. The rasp of brush on nails as the boys prepared for hand inspection was followed by giggles. Then came a hiss from Untoto. Shh, she's sleeping! Charity rose and dressed quickly, putting on her favourite green cardigan with the worn elbows, for though it was midsummer, there was an early morning chill in the air. Before stepping outside, there was one daily ritual to perform. She took a dab of Vaseline from the jar kept on the bedside table and rubbed it into her skin, leaving her face smooth and gleaming, cheekbones accentuated. It was a face with character. Handsome, rather than beautiful, boasting strong white teeth and a ready smile. Now she was ready. Some thirty yards away, the three shipping containers that made up Harrods, arranged as an E without the middle stroke, loomed like an elephant emerging from the morning mist. One container served as an eating room. The opposite one was a bar, with a counter made of old wooden railway sleepers, which ran the length of the container. The third was the kitchen, where a gurgling second-hand fridge, connected by a cable to a power outlet in the clinic, kept the local Tusker beers cold, while the cooking was done on three gas stoves. All three containers had windows cut away, and Charity could see a candle that flickered from within. A match flared as the boys lit the gas stoves. Thank goodness the foolish fuss about the name of her bar had been settled. She still found it outrageous that a London duca could own a name, wherever in the world it was used, and she still resented the fact that she had had to change it. Now its official name was Tanguenya's International Bar and Night Spot. May her late father, after whom the bar had been named, Harrods Mwaigichuru Tanguenya, rest in peace. The business undermined her belief in British justice. At least the lawyers no longer bothered her with foolish letters, with strange words like pursuant and subjudis. The last letter from them was especially unpleasant, she felt, even though it had been accompanied by a cheque for two hundred pounds, for the welfare of the orphaned boys. She had asked her dear friend, Edward Furniver, manager of the Kariba Savings Bank, to explain some of the phrases. What does this mean, without prejudice? She pointed to the offending phrase. They think I am dead, yes? Furniver nodded. Killed by rioters, and that Harrods was destroyed by looters. He nodded again. But I cannot find any sorry in this letter. Where is any sorry? Furniver had tried to calm her. I think that to say, without prejudice, is as close as a lawyer gets without actually saying sorry. It was still a struggle to persuade her to keep the cheque, but she eventually agreed to spend half on drugs for the clinic, while half was to be invested by Furniver on behalf of the rats. But Charity Mupanga had had the last word. For officials from London, we will call my bar Tanguenyas. For customers, 
They will always be welcome at Harrods. Charity had crossed herself, smoothed down her blue and white apron, and disappeared into the kitchen. It was getting lighter. Ogata greeted her, coughed again, cleared his chest with a long rasp that shook his frame, and spat. A few yards away from where he sat, patiently waiting for a cup of good, sweet, milky Kuisha tea, a smoky fire came to life in a hut made of plastic bags. Clarence Results Mudenge, proprietor of the Clean Blood Clinic, was stirring. He too would join the queue for early tea and dough balls, the best value in town. Morningy! Mildred Kigali had promised to arrive early, and she was as good as her word. The wife of Didymus, house steward to Ferniver, could be irritating, particularly when she pretended to be deaf and when she proselytized.